Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, let's take a look at today's parsha. trying to get this in in time. Just had this very interesting interview with, uh, what's the podcast called? Criminal Podcast, you heard of it? One that asked me, pumping me for questions about the Bayless trial from 100 years ago. But anyway, <clears throat> switching from the ridiculous to the sublime, today we have Parshas Ekev, and we're in the middle of the seven Nechamos, the uh, prophecies of Isaiah, about the glorious future of the Jewish people. Uh, and the whole Ekev is, uh, more of what you had in the past, where Moshe is like rambling on and on, you know, don't do this, be sure to be from, watch out for idolatry, don't be self-righteous, you know, think, don't think it's because of my own tzitkas that God got me over here, and so on and so forth. I would uh, point to one or two things in this week's Pasha, which strike me as interesting. And one is as follows. If you look at uh, chapter 10, we have over here, a retelling of the story of the Ten Commandments. I mentioned this in Shul last night, actually. Uh, remember I said last week that if you want to do some interesting work, what you have to do is you have to take the two stories from, uh, what is it, Yisro and Voschanan, Ten Commandments Round 1 and Ten Commandments Round 2, and, and, and compare them side by side. And you'll see Zachar and Shamar and Losach and Losasav and all the stuff that I was speaking about last week. Maybe I didn't uh, have a chance to play it all out for you, but you can uh, do that work yourself. Similarly, what's really interesting to me is, from a history perspective, we have two versions of what happened in the aftermath of the Golden Calf, um, which in classical Jewish tradition we kind of fold together into one large grand narrative. That's fancy English for the following. 40, 40, and 40. Um, the way you understand the story is, based on reading uh, Kisiso, and then today's Parsha Ekev, uh, the way they put the story together goes like this. The Jewish people leave Egypt on Pesach. They get the Torah on Shavuos. No, they don't. The Torah, the Ten Commandments are pronounced on Shavuos. And then, 40 days later, which is Shavuos of Thomas, Moshe Rabbeinu gets the first Luchos. But then he breaks them. Because the Jewish people at that time are making a golden calf. That's what the Shavuos uh, of is all about. And then Hashem said, I'm going to kill everybody. And Moshe says, don't do that. And he prays for 40 days and 40 nights. Which means he, he, he uh, prays to God from Shavuos of Thomas to the end of Av, which is any day now. Uh, and that's when he says his famous please, you know, don't kill him, mayim ragoyim. That takes place, again, between Shavasar Thomas over the course of the three weeks, and then over the course of the three weeks after that or so, you know, to the end of the month of Av. By the time you finish that month of Av, so we're about five months or so since the Jews left Egypt, uh, so Hashem says, okay, uh, I won't kill him, but I don't like him. And Moshe said, that's not good enough. And then Moshe goes up another 40 days and 40 nights. That's how you read Parshat Uh From 
Rosh Chodesh uh, Elul until the 10th of Tishri, which is what we call Yom Kippur. But that's how it became Yom Kippur. And, it, it, and what he's playing there is uh, to patch up relations, so it shouldn't simply be that God's not going to kill him, but, uh, you know, he's a uh, is with them. And to get another pair of tablets, another Ten Commandments, give us a second shot. And indeed, at the end of the 40 days, round three, on the 10th of Tishrei, they get the second tablets, the Luchos Shneos. And that, my friends, is why we say, they used to say anyway, the Yom Kippur is the happiest day of the year. Remember, the girls and boys were dancing outside of Jerusalem and all that, the famous Mishnah about Tubav and Yom Kippur. L'hoi yomim tovim l'Yisrael ke'yom Kippurim ve'chamisha sarvav. Why Yom Kippur? It was a great time. It's not simply the sins are forgiven, but, you know, they got the, the Ten Commandments. So the Luchas that you and I have, so to speak, is the second round, not the first round. And all that is by folding together the Parshas Kisisa, and then we have it in this week's Parsha, Parsha Ekev. So you take a look at the reading, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, again, you compare and contrast the accounts. In Shmos, in Kisisa, as I recall, so, after Moshe pleads with God, God says, You go and carve out the two tablets this time, and then I'll write on them. So, what that means is, of course, that the Luchos Rishonos, they say were created in the first six days of creation, you know, the Benesh Moshe, before the first Shabbos, which is another way of saying the miraculous. What were they made of? Miraculous material. It says stone, but not regular stone. And therefore, they just materialized in the arms of Moses at the end of 40 days and 40 nights. Because when it says, How do you read that passage? God handed over his God of a hand. He handed to Moshe two tablets to say, Here, these are yours now. Um, I know the Chumash says that, but what does it mean? And there are many Chazals that play around with that theme. You know, Moshe had part of it, Hashem had part of it, in the middle was the empty, the, the unheld part. But. God does not have a physical body, so consequently, if it says he gave him over to him, it means that Moshe is there for 40 days and 40 nights, and then all of a sudden, in his arms, it goes, bang, shabam, shazam. And there are two tablets. And uh, different materials, you know, like like uh, Star Trek. They materialized. And, uh, well, and how could that be? Because they're not regular. They're created from the first days of creation, which means the miraculous. Okay, the miraculous. Now, the second tablets are not like that. The second tablets, Hashem says, you go to a mountain or some stone place, and you do the hard work of a mason, cut them out, and once you, uh, you know, cut them out with, with a hammer and chisel, whatever they do, then I, Hashem, will write on it. That's pretty amazing, too. But it's not like the first tablets. You know what I'm saying? This is a very interesting, uh, you know, distinction that the second tablets are less, uh, what shall I say, divine, less holy, because not immediately from the hand of God. Moshe had to make him, so that's part man. I'm sure some thoughtful rabbi can make a whole speech out of that, but uh, that, but that's a fact. Now, that's not what caught my attention so much. That's the plain reading of the two parshas of uh, Kisisa Nekev. But now you take a look over here that Moshe calls attention in this week's parsha to something that doesn't say in Shemus at all, and that is Hashem's to make a box. Uh, Hashem says to Moshe, 
you carve out two new tablets of stone, Korishonim, the same size as the first ones, and then come up the mountain. And by the way, make yourself a box, an Aron Eitz, a wooden box, an ark. So Hashem told him to make a box. This is not told to us in the other place. And then I, God, will write on these tablets. So you, Moshe, after you carved out these tablets, you go up the mountain, and up there I will, uh, you know, hit them, I mean, I will write on them, uh, which is amazing. And then I, Hashem, am telling you, after I finish writing them, put immediately in a box. Which is just interesting. Why? Uh, why didn't he do this the first time? The, with the first tablet, there's no, no mention of a box. For us, Aaron at Seishitim, and Moshe goes on to say that I did construct a box, an ark made out of acacia wood, and I carved out the, 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 the stones, and I went up and did it. And, uh, you know, Moshe tells the story over in this week's parsha. And he says, I came down afterwards with the tablets. And I put them in the box, and that's where they remained, as I was awarded to do by God. So, what happens with this box, with this Aaron? And all of them are trying to figure out what the heck is going on over here, because the way we generally understand the story is that, as I just told you, God forgave them on Yom Kippur and gave him the new set of tablets. And then, the day after Yom Kippur, according to Jewish tradition, God tells them to make a Mishkan. And they proceed to make the Mishkan between Yom Kippur and Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah is uh, supposed to commemorate, among other things. And one of the things that happens is that Bessalel, who's appointed by God, to run the operation of constructing the Mishkan, he makes a box, a golden iron, a golden iron, a golden ark, correct? Overlaid with gold. And that's where they put the Ten Commandments. That's what it says in Shemoz. We all know that. So, what's happens with the box that Moshe goes up and down with in the mountain, that Hashem was very mocked to tell him, as soon as I give you the tablets, put them in the box. Uh, what's going on over here? Now, because of this, there's always been a lot of confusion and therefore a lot of different opinions among the commentators, the classic commentators, of what exactly is, is happening over here. Uh, just opening up to save you the trouble. The Here we go. What's with this ark, this box, that Moshe constructs now? Some say that this is a temporary ark that was used until the golden ark mentioned in Exodus was made. That's Ramban and Rabbeinu Bachia. So, this was a temporary ark, and I guess it was just put away later on. Geniza. Uh That's something they call Raiders of the Lost Box. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mama's a lost ark, you know? <laughs> in other words, uh, literally the ark, and not the Ten Commandments in the ark. Because the Ten Commandments, according to this Ramban, Ben Rechiah, after the Mishkan was constructed, it was taken out of Moshe's box and put permanently in the golden box. So what happened to the original box? And then he goes on in the note to say, others, according to others, this ark was used for the broken tablets and was taken out in war. Ah. So now we get to the theory of two arks. Right? The theory of two arks. Which is that there were two arons, and one was a battle ark that they took for Muhammad, and the other one was the regular ark, which they didn't. 
there are two drivers of this uh, idea. One is mentioned in um, in the beginning of, of, of Bamidbar somewhere, uh, early in Bamidbar, where it says on the one hand that the Aaron was located always in the middle of the camp, and elsewhere it says, that the ark preceded their march by three days. And based on this, it's a machokis in the Tanaim, it's not me talking. It's a machokis in the Tosefta in, in Sota, I believe, that uh, one says that uh, it, was, it was one ark and get over it. The other one says, no, there were two. The one that preceded, preceded them was uh, the battle ark, and the other one was the regular ark. The regular one. And uh, it's a machlokis, you know, Rabbi Huda Barilay and the Chachamim, whether there was not one or two. And uh, one way of getting around the problem that I just told you, which is Moshe made his own ark, and then later on B'Tzal made a, a golden ark, is to say, Ari and Echanami. One became the Aron that was used for uh, keeping their full time, you know, the, the peaceful ark. That was B'Tzal's golden uh, Aron, and that's where the uh, Luchas were all the time. And the other one was used in battle. When they had a war, they would uh, t- accompany the, the Jewish soldiers into the battle. Where do you get that from? Well, you know, everybody knows the story in Shmuel Aleph, where they have the battle against the Philistines, and the Jews say, oh, we're going to win because they bring the ark. Uh, and, of course, they got defeated because if you rely on the ark instead of doing tshuva, then the ark becomes like an avodah And the famous story that the Pelishtim captured the ark, and <laughs> but then Hashem gives them hemorrhoids, and then they surrender. <laughs> pretty darn quick, and they return the Ark, uh, and it's very confusing, is this Mamsh the Arn, not the Arn? This, it's, it, it, in the book of Shmuel, it says that they brought the Arn from Shiloh, I did a trip to Israel last year, I think it was, and we went over to Shiloh, you can see where they slept it from, uh, not too far, the Shiloh was not too far away from the battlefield, with the Pelishtim, it gets very confusing, but the basic idea is, there's two Arns, and according to this, you'd fit it in nicely, that uh, the Aaron that Moshe made was the one used uh, for battle, and the other one was the one used not for battle. But uh, again, that's a machlokas. The majority opinion is there was one Aaron. So you see how confusing this is. And some say Moses made the basic ark out of acacia wood, and then Basal covered it with gold. That's the Malvim in the Ibn Ezra, I guess, which would be the easiest way, in which it's all one Aaron, and that is the Aaron that Basal made. But then it's Shvach because. Because later when it says Vayas Basalis Aaron, you know, it sounds like Basal made the whole arm from scratch. And he had Chachma Tunudas, he had special abilities to understand how to make an Aaron. And he and Moshe had an argument about you know what should go first, the Aaron or the Mishkan. And so I'm just throwing this out at you and uh give you a job to do over Shabbos, which is try to work this out a little bit, which is what's the idea of two Aarons? And this leads up also, I remember the conciliator has this. Uh if there were two Aarons, what was in each one? So the Pashub shot is that the regular Aaron, the golden Aaron, had the Ten Commandments, the Luchos Shneas. And then the battle Ark had the um, Shivri Luchos, the broken tablets from round one, which Moshe smashed on, on when he saw the Jews made a golden calf. Uh, which is kind of interesting, because you go into battle with an Ark containing the Luchos Rishonos, that's like a Musservark, you know, that's like Mr. Salander. You go into a battle with the Ark containing the reminder of the hate that you did. Uh, oh my goodness. I said, what about Inkateger Nasa Senegar, you know? Maybe it's to, to move the Jews to do Teshuvah. Uh, there are others who say the opposite, very fascinatingly. 
and they say that uh, now in the main golden ark, the Mishkan was the Shivri Luchas, and the battle ark that they took out to the field was, uh, you know, the other ark, which had the regular Ten Commandments. By the way, in the story of David and Bathsheba, if you remember, Uriah, the husband, when the king tells him to go back and spend time with his wife, Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, says, how can I do it when my buddies and Yoav, the general, and the Ark of the Lord are out in the field, the battlefield in, in Ammon. I can't go to stay in my own house. So there's another example of the battle Ark. I forgot about that. So uh, so what's going on? You understand? Moreover, I remember the Ramban points this out. Usually most opinions in Chazal go like this. Haluchas That there was actually one Arn, and both were in there, meaning the second Ten Commandments, the second tablets, and the broken pieces of the first tablets were all conjoined together in the uh, in the Golden Ark, uh, which is why, uh, I don't know if you heard this, you must have, they say if you see an old Talmud Chacham, and, you know, he doesn't have it anymore, maybe he's too old, and he lost it, his mind's not great, and they treat him with respect, because Shivri Luchas Munachem Bar, it's old work, right? Because even, you know, the Shivri Luchas, the place that, that 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 once had the Torah, even though now it's it's a broken, uh, deserves respect for the fact that once had the original Luchos. Didn't notice the guy used to know how to learn. So you end up with a whole bunch of different uh, sets of possibilities over the arrangement between this Arn and the other Arn, all of which is a function of the fact that if you just simply take the trouble to compare uh, the two versions of the post-Golden Calf story between Shmos and, and, and Parshat Ekev, you see these distinctions or these differences, and if you fold them together into a grand narrative, it, it becomes not so easy to do. I happen to think that that's very interesting. Now, of all the Mepharshim, i got to tell you this one. Here's my favorite, because it's so wacky off the wall. And that is the um, uh, Bechorshor. There's a commentary called Yosef Bechorshor. He was one of the Balitosas. He's one of the um, Pashtanate Sarfas. You had in the time of Rashi and Tosas these uh, quite remarkable Mepharshim uh, on the Chumash they were so from that that they could say non-from things. <laughs> That's what it is. They were so from that the that the I'm serious that the you know that if they said something that today would be shocking, wasn't well, shocking at that time. So you can get the safer. It's it's out. Uh, the most of Cook published it long ago. It's very 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 interesting. Always uh, unusual insight, and he said like this. This is cute. Uh, why does Hashem say, make a second ark and put him in a box? Uh, why we do that? And the Lechor shows it like this. God says to Moshe, I know you got a bad temper. Uh, the minute you saw to make a golden cave, you smashed the first tablets. I'm not going through the trouble of making a second tablets and you lose your temper over something or other. The next Korach comes along and you smash them too. I don't do this every day. Shalot, as he puts the Samtum Bar, and I'm reading, Shalot Tolichim Odal Yodcha. I don't want you, Moshe, to Hold these in your hands. I don't want you to have the tablets at hand all the time so that if you lose your temper, you'll break them like you break the first ones when you get angry. I'm scared of your temper. So uh, basically, Moshe has anger management issues. And according to this, you know, when he comes down from the golden calf, what does it say? He said, he saw, he saw the Jews and they were dancing and making the golden calf. And he, threw, he got so angry, he threw the, the lucas on the ground and smashed them. Now, usually you and I read this like this. 
Moshe did it on purpose to take out the anger of the Luchos, to appease God, etc., etc. You know, there's a lot of sublime ways of reading it. But you can also read it like this. Moshe says, what the heck? I just went 40 days and 40 nights down, they made a golden calf. Down with this, heck with this. I, I smashed them in the, in, in the ground. And even though there's a Chazal that says, Yashikach Sheshibarta, but the Bajrup shot ain't that way. And so God's like, who told you to break this? I went to the trouble. Haluchos etzbelohimi. This is in the Sheshimei Habreshis. Moreover, it's a little bit awkward because what happened? Moshe saw them uh, make a golden calf. He lost it. He threw the thing and smashed it in the ground. By the way, he must have been pretty angry because the luchos were big and heavy. And so if he threw them in the ground and smashed them, he must have really thrown them down. So he really lost it. And then Hashem, now watch the case. Then Hashem says, I'm going to kill them. And Moshe turns around and says, no, no, don't lose your temper. Well, God said, I guess you just lost yours. <laughs> you just lost yours. Now, that's not the way the Chumash writes it. But that's the way the Bechor Shor sees it. It's implied. You know what I'm saying? It's implied in the fact that he says, come up the mountain, bring two tablets, and bring a box. The minute I make the right on them, you put them in the box. And don't touch them. Because I know you. You have your pluses, you have your minuses. One of your minuses is anger management. So it's a, just a very fascinating way of doing it. Somebody would say this today. You say, oh my goodness. He's like, I'll be wise or whatever. Uh, this is one of the Roshonim. It's, it's a, like I say, one of the Balitosas. They, they, to them, when they look at the story of smashing the Luchas Roshonis, they, they, they see it as an anger problem. So anyway, I just uh, share that with you because a little bit off the wall. And with that, I bid you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.